0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Sustaining Sustainability. I'm your host, C.B. Paracharya, Professor and Director of the Center for Sustainable Business at the University of Pittsburgh. This week, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined from Geneva, Switzerland, by Dr. Laura Penn, founder of the Leadership Speaking School and award-winning international keynote speaker. Dr. Penn is a business communication and leadership speaking expert a master teacher, a dancer, and a doctor of biodiversity management. Working with organizations like the World Economic Forum, the International Olympic Committee, and IUCN, and companies like Nespresso, Salesforce, Logitech, she empowers clients to speak with impact, authenticity, and human connection. Dr. Penn is also an author, host of the podcast Leadership Speaking Radio, Contributor at UN Today and a four time TEDx speaker with two talks on TED.com, home of the world's best talks. Dr. Laura Penn, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. It's lovely to be here.
0: Tell us, in addition to your career as a conservation scientist, you are an accomplished performing artist. How do these two disciplines merge in your work today? And how does it align to your personal purpose?
1: Mm, I've been dancing be since i was old enough to stand up um in fact i was looking through some photo albums the other day and there are pictures of me dancing as a toddler in the living room being a child of the 1970s everybody was dancing <laughs> so this isn't mm-hmm. an unusual thing right mm-hmm. music was always on earth wind and fire was playing um you know everything was in rhythm so I did a lot of dancing from an early age and then we started moving around when I was about eight and nine. We were living in countries like Tunisia and Syria um, where I couldn't take dance classes. So I'm very self-taught. Um, from eight to 16, basically, I taught myself everything I needed to know about dancing. Um, you know, and the biology came from being an outdoor child. Generation Xer, you know, the parents were nowhere to be seen. They were working. So. The kids were outside playing and I was in nature um, and exploring it. Yeah, this this is what brought performance into my world. This is what brought biology into my world. And my purpose, to answer your question about aligning to personal purpose, is that more of what makes me happy. That's a purpose. I have a fridge magnet with those words written on it. Um, And I consider myself very fortunate to bring my two passions of performance and science into my career and into my life.
0: That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, What led you to create the Leadership Speaking School?
1: You know, it was a fork in the road that happened in 2010. And I was starting to attend these, they call them brown bag lectures. And you know, people would come in from the field and talk about what was going on and important topics of the day. And I noticed that in presentation after presentation, my colleagues were failing at delivering their messages. The messages that they would speak out would leak underneath the door frames, through the windows, evaporate. They did not stick. They did everything that you're not supposed to do also when you're speaking in front of audiences, turning their back to the audience, mumbling, basically checking every box of what not to do. And I thought to myself in that moment, it was my aha. I thought, well, wait a minute, I've got a toolbox here. Wait a minute, these messages are too valuable to leak out of the room. Conservation is a crisis discipline. What can I do to support my colleagues to promote conservation through effective public speaking? That was the birth of my company. I called it communicating environment at the time. And that was my opportunity to put together my my tools, the performing arts crafts, the science crafts, and my teaching crafts, which is something I've been doing for seven years. So I could put all that together and I built this thing <laughs> that is now 13 years later, the leadership speaking school. I define leadership speaking as an elevated form of public speaking, where the main intention is to consciously and authentically connect with your audience. The consciously part is about making informed decisions based on a toolbox. What tool do I need? What is happening? Who am I speaking to? And what am I talking about? And what tool or tools do I need for that situation? That's the conscious part. The authentic part is you're not acting. You're not pretending to be somebody else. In leadership speaking, you're accessing your truth. Who are you? Well, how do you feel? Where am I in this idea? How do I want to communicate this? What is my pathos? Emotional connection to this topic. So inside of this toolbox of leadership speaking, the central tenant is it's not about you. It's about your audience. Now, this is a game changing paradigm shift uh, when I teach it. People are like, huh? well, what, what are you talking about? Of course it's about me. I've been invited to be the speaker. This is my paper. This is my research. The problem is when people come from the me show version of communicating instead of the we show version, the audience is more likely to check out because they are there to something, to learn something new, feel something different, or have another idea come into their mind. They're there for something. Your job is to be in authentic service to your audience. So by making it the we show, you are creating content that serves their needs and interests. You might be talking about climate change. You might be talking about poverty. You might be talking about nature-based solutions. But the art is, how do I spin this idea so that it relates to my audience's direct needs and interests? And this is gonna be in how you choose your anecdotes. Your stories, your examples. This is going to be in how you participate with your audience. Are you calling people's names, George? What's your opinion about that? You did that last year. You were in Geneva working on that. You at the UN, right? That's audience connection. That's the we show.
0: That's that's just terrific and a fascinating um, a fascinating story. Uh, Now coming to my struggle and the topic as well of this uh, podcast. What are the most notable challenges and opportunities in communicating about sustainability and conservation? And what is the missing ingredient to inspire action? So many people need to know this.
1: Mm, Yes. You know, let's talk tools and strategies Um, to effectively communicate conservation, sustainability. We need to remember that in human communication, there are two buckets. There's the bucket of the content, That is what people say. And then there's the bucket of the delivery, which is how they say it. And I want to tell you what not to do in the first bucket. And what a problem is um, that I see in my colleagues in their communication of sustainability and conservation. Not do (laughs) eco-terror. Right? So that doesn't Mm -hmm. work. You know what eco-terror is, right? It's, yeah. it's the videos of the burning rainforests. It's the factory smokestacks. It's those images and descriptions that make people in the audience feel numb and helpless. So this is a, a not to do in the content creation, not to use too much jargon um, and too many facts, frankly. There's this phenomena that I've developed called paint the picture, not just the frame. And what I hear in a lot of people communicating, CB, is they are talking about the facts, the data, the information, the statistic. that's the frame. And the frame is important, of course. It holds the picture, we know that. But people don't remember the frame. People don't go to art galleries to see frames. People go to art galleries and go to, you know, conferences to listen to people to see and hear pictures. What are the pictures? What are the details? What is happening inside there? What are the stories? What are the feelings? Who are the people? What is going on? That is missing from most communication that I see because it's not easy. You and I know it's not easy to, to, to create content in this field, but it's not easy to get away from the template of just producing facts, figures, statistics, and data, because that's kind of easier to do than, oh, what story am I going to tell now? What anecdote am I going to share? How am I gonna put some skin on the bones of this this detail? Um, So I find a lot of people go to that kind of uh, quick fix solution of just focusing on the frame and not the picture. Um, And then finally, another thing about the content bucket of what not to do, is I find it never really seems to stick with people. And this is through observation of my own career and what I'm doing professionally and and creating content and uh, helping with the delivery of of thousands of speakers. I don't feel like it sticks when people talk about things that are happening too far away from home. Now, I'm not saying, no, we can't talk about what's going on out there uh, in distant places. But I am saying that your audience needs to hear and feel things that are relevant to their daily life, needs and interests, and what they're going through. If you hear about something that is happening in Tasmania, you're going to maybe feel something about that for a moment, but it's not gonna affect you as directly as something that you can relate to closer to home. So when possible, tie in the examples and the content to something that is touching, the hearts and minds and the lives of the people on the ground. We're a tribe of humans that are designed to be concerned about what's in front of us and around us. And I really feel like it's a stretch too far for people to be talking about things that are too distant. So, you know, the other bucket is the delivery. And this is the part where craft is necessary. This is the part where I don't feel like people spend enough time, energy, Effort or intention, getting better at, and I know in graduate school when I was studying, and I think it's still much the case these days, based on who I'm talking to. You don't learn this, the the art of effective communication and what I call leadership speaking um, in most cases in higher education. You're just expected to do it, and by doing it a lot, you know, obviously, then you're learning. But are you learning? Are you learning the craft? The craft, CB, is how am I going to use my presence in this moment? How am I going to use my voice so that people want to listen to it? How am I moving my body so that my message is congruent with what I am saying? That's the craft. And I feel like this piece, which is one of my favorite things to do in my profession now, because this is all the performing arts stuff, this piece is what I teach and what is almost like the water for the drought that my students need the most because they don't have the skills. And once I switch on awareness about how people show up in the room, that is the live you know, presentation room, or that is a virtual room, how people are responsible for the energy, which is what presence is that they emit, then they start to break down the barriers between them and the audience because they become accessible. And this is something that directly touches the audience and that can lead to a more deep connection, as it were, to lead to these behavior changes because people are feeling the speaker. People are inspired. People are motivated. People are moved and sparked. You can't have this human-to-human spark without these elements. And then the voice. Oh! did many bad things to to the world. I'm sure we can agree. And one of the things, one of the casualties of COVID was people became very monotone. And when you have someone who's very monotone, and this is because of several things related to, you know, how we had to survive and thrive virtually, uh, we had people sitting down with hunched shoulders, creating tension, tension is the enemy of your voice. And the voice gets smaller, everything gets contracted monotony of the voice is something that's gonna kill a message. And speaking about, you know, important topics that you and I love in sustainability and conservation, when you say the world is on fire and everybody's going to die in a monotone voice, we are not feeling that message. And I can't count how many leaders and teams and change makers that I work with in this field that sound like bored robots. If you want people to to move and shake, to, to initiate change, to create something new, to do something different, you have to connect with those humans on a human to human level. And if you are using a voice that is not alive, that's gonna be much harder. So these are the kind of cosmetic elements, craft elements that are related to how you say things and how you say things matter. I like to quote Maya Angelou who said, people don't remember what you said. They don't remember what you did. They remember how you made them feel.
0: That's very very moving um, indeed and inspirational. Um, just a follow-up question to that, I mean, as effective as we can make, you know, person-to-person speaking, it's not, we know that it's not possible kind of all the time to to manage that. Uh, what tips would you have for us if it's kind of, you know, some kind of uh, nonverbal communication, so so written communication, which as well li- leaders, you know, have to do. Um, sometimes not even possible to have very long, you know, in in the age of social media and so on. So what would be some tips for uh, those kinds of activities that leaders have to engage in as well?
1: People are yearning for connection. You and I both know that we are living in an age of disconnection. As connected as we are on social media, you know, I'm sure you've heard it before, I certainly have. We've never been more disconnected in our connection. We are missing this kind of humanity experience. If you can write content from the point of view of human to human, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it smell like? So you're imbuing your details here, the five senses. You are creating stories with the content. Create a conversation. Create a human experience imbue it with senses. These are the sorts of things that people in science are afraid to do because we're told not to. It's facts, data, details, and numbers. And disrupt some of that. If you wanna reach people, you have to get into the humanity. You have to get into that connection. Um, And that can be a really fun and creative place to be if you're brave enough to go there.
0: Dr. Laura it was a pleasure to have you on our show today. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a privilege to be here. And before we sign off, my name is Kristen P. Ahern, and I'm the producer and editor of Sustaining Sustainability. This podcast is made by the Center for Sustainable Business at the University of Pittsburgh, directed by CB Bhattacharya. It is made possible by all our member companies. To learn more about our upcoming programs or about becoming a member, please go to sustainablebusiness.pitt.edu or follow us at PittCSB on all social platforms. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or colleague, and we'll see you soon for another episode of Sustaining Sustainability.